Good evening, Victorious Church of the Living God. Tonight is March 2nd, 2023, and the title of tonight's message is Making Fathers Out of Sons. Say that with me. So right out of the gate, we're telling you, strap in. It's high octane. The pedal is about to hit the metal. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. We are lifting up our eyes to the one through whom and in whom all things were created. But we're also expecting to receive from him. And we're looking around to the sons in this house that we could pour that holy revelation into. We look up. And then we look around. Church Sunday was an excellently preached message. But we don't believe it was just that. We firmly believe that Sunday, just like what the brothers referred to and what the pastors referred to in the, in the sermon, they referred to uh, a sermon from months back that, that, can't, that has come true, right? We feel like we know, we believe that Sunday sermon was not just a good sermon, it was prophecy. And you know in this house... LCM, we don't treat prophecy with contempt. So we're going right back to where we ended in Isaiah 49 and looking at that passage again. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples. And they shall bring your sons in their arms and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers. And their queens, your nursing mothers, with their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me, they shall not be put to shame. This is the word that we received from Sunday. And this is the interpretation. Give us that slide. These are the exact notes and the exact things that our pastors gave us. Behold. Lift up your eyes. Everybody lift up your eyes. I mean, you don't got, it's, it's right there on the screen, so you can follow us there. Open your eyes, Cho. Lift up your eyes. No, he literally had his eyes closed. I wasn't making fun. <laughs> Behold, lift up your eyes and see what the Father is doing in this house. Hey, we are family, are we not? Yes, it's a family. Are. Cho talks about me all the time. But he does it in my face, so it's all right. Lift up your eyes to see what the father is doing in this house, in this family. It is what he will do in the nations. So what we see here is what God is bringing to the Balkans. The future of the sons in this house is that their feet will stand on the soil of other nations and take the sons of those nations in their arms and make them fathers. Wow. Just like Abraham. The future of our daughters is that they will stand with their husbands on that foreign soil and carry on their soldiers on their shoulders the daughters of foreign households and make them into mothers in the faith, like Sarah. Wow. Did you have that plan for your kids before you got born again? I know I didn't. But that's what the Lord is saying. Lift up your eyes and see sons and daughters of this house who are not of your own line as a sign, a portent, a symbol of things to come. It will cause them to, to be bowed down in humble gratitude and simultaneously enable them to lift up their eyes and know that I am who I am so that they can say I am what I am. 
Are y'all still chewing on Sunday's message? Yes. That's not a message that we just like, oh, man, that's good, and just leave. No. We're actually going to walk out that work. We're going to practice. We're going to help each other live out the prophecy that the Lord has given us. So that's why our sermon is entitled, Making Fathers Out of Sons. We're going to talk about exactly that. We're raising our expectations to be foster fathers now so that our sons would be fathers in the nations and carry those nations back to Israel. Fathers and sons working together and raising them up to be fathers. Don't you guys love this? This is where we're heading as a body. This is our aim. But we also have to be aware of the things that can trip us up in the process of winning the nations over and raising our sons to be fathers. That was out. So as we go through the sermon, we're going to have scriptures thrown up on a slide. We're going to have you guys turn in your Bibles. But first and foremost, we want to throw this out to you. This is Genesis 11, picking up in verse 4 in the ESV. It says, then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the the whole earth. Clearly, this is a bad example of fatherhood. The Lord told them to spread out. They were like, no, no, Linton. We want to build a name for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. The attitude that we need to have, what we can learn from Genesis 11, is the heart of Paul to the Corinthians. He literally says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that the fathers have to, they have to store up treasures for their sons, not their sons for their fathers. This is what we get to do in this body. It is our job to stir up, store up treasures for our sons. We are learning how to sacrificially raise up our sons into fathers. Amen. In fact, when we're thinking about this, we start to think about the attitude and the heart that Peter demonstrated in his epistle. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 18 in the NIV. As you're turning there, say, make fathers out of sons. Look at what it says in verse 18. For you know that it was with the, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Church Peter made it his life's goal to raise up his sons and to remind them to remind them of the things that they have been redeemed from. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, he says, As long as I am alive, as long as I live, it is my duty, I will remind you, I will make every effort to make sure that you have what you need. Man, isn't Peter a good father? Yes. And when you think about the heart of Peter that he's demonstrating here in his writing for his sons, How can we not start to think about some of the greatest biblical examples that we see in the word of fathers and sons having this same sort of attitude? When we're thinking about that, we thought about examples like Elijah and Elisha. We thought about examples like Jehu and Jehonadab. But there's one example that moves our soul very, very much. It's the example that we see straight out of the Torah, the law of God. It is Moses and Joshua. So let's go to Exodus chapter 17, and Brother Lynch is going to lead us in that. Come on. Do you want to make fathers out of sons? Yes. Well, I think Moses is a pretty good man to learn how to do it from, right? Picking up in verse 12. 
straight into warfare. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You guys know the context of this passage. You know that we have a, a father and son partnership here. Moses is the one that's holding up the standard. And when Moses, Moses drops, his, drops the word, they begin to have difficulty. But as long as Moses is holding up the standard and holding up the word, Joshua is victorious. Let's go to Deuteronomy 34 in the NLT. It's for you, Ms. Joe. Joshua 34, 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. See, their relationship is at the core of our understanding of what discipleship is. When I really started to get a hunger for actually pursuing discipleship back in 2018, I went to Joshua. I, I found out after that that my father's already had it laid out. I was new. I was learning. Forgive me, right? But I went to Joshua to learn what discipleship looked like. Moses is a spiritual father to Joshua, who is a spiritual son being raised up to father the entire nation. This is what we are aiming for, and rightfully so. This is the, the, the seat that we sit in is to be a spiritual father and raise sons up to lead. But the question we need to ask is how did Moses arrive here? Did Moses just out of nowhere, here I am, I'm, I've come to save you, I'm your salvation. Did Moses just show up knowing what to do? Did Moses show up with no help? No, the answer is no. This starts way back in Exodus 3. Now, we're not going uh, to turn there, but we do have a slide for you. Because Pastor Wade is excellent with the slides. So, we told you that Moses was a father who held up the standard of God so that sons could be victorious. Well, he actually learned that through experience. And we want to share this experience what the Lord is doing in us with you. In Exodus 3.11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Do you remember Pastor uh, talking about that Sunday? Moses saying, who am I, Lord? I'm nobody. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 13, he says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? Lord, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to father this great people? In verse, in, uh, verse, four, uh, verse 1 of, verse, of chapter 4, then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Go into straight doubt, right? I'm reading about Moses, and I'm reading about Moses because it's been my life. But what about you? Have you, have you said these things? Who am I to raise up sons? Who am I to stand and be a, a, a nursing mother to the daughters of the nations? Who am I? He finally got to the point, oh, Lord, please just send someone else. Wow, right? But if we're being honest, that's been us. Right? It's been us. Why is that? See, we learned, or you, you know, we, we, we mentioned, we, we, we breezed over Exodus 11. And you know 
that the Amalekites came down to attack God's people. When God sent his people to go and conquer the land that he promised, at the very moment, the Amalekites were there to attack them in a vulnerable place. They were uh, just dying of thirst almost. And he sent the Amalekites to attack, right? The Amalekites were trying to choke out the people of God and choke out the promises of God. They were really challenging God and not Moses, right? But we don't necessarily have those, those physical enemies, do we, right? You don't have Amalekites chasing you down. Neither do I. But there is still a spirit of Amalekite that we're at war with. And we're not even worried about that. <clears throat> See, the real enemy that you and I have is the limitations that we put on ourselves. Yeah. The limitations that we decide, Lord, I can't say that. How am I going to go do that? They're not going to believe me. Lord, just, I'm not the right person for the job. I don't have what it takes. So that's good for those people, but I'm just going to stay in my box. See, that's an Amalekite spirit, but that's not, a, that's not an external spirit. It's what we do. In this aspect, we're our worst enemies. Do you want the answer? I know I want the answer. As a matter of fact, we already have the answer. We're just going to talk about it together. But we got to engage with that reality that the limitations that are actually an issue aren't the ones that are coming from the outside. It's not the, it's not the outside influences. It's the ones that come from the inside. Bill, can you help us with this? Yeah. So, in fact, let's go to Exodus chapter 2. This is God's response to Moses. We've already established that, for one, we give the enemy way too much credit. The biggest issue in our lives, the limitations that we, that we have, are limitations that we put on ourselves. And look at what God says to Moses in Exodus chapter 2, in Exodus chapter 4, in verse 2. It says this, The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, a staff. You guys have heard this story before. We've read it. We've engaged with this story. We're familiar with it. But what is God's response to Moses as Mo Moses is lamenting his perceived lack in the moment? When he says, oh God, send somebody else. What does the Lord say to him? He says, what is in your hand? You know what, I, what that means to me if I decode it in Abimbola's language? The Lord is saying, Moses... Get over yourself. Get over yourself and look at what is already in your hand. See, the point is not the staff itself, but that God said that he will use what Moses already has in his hand and bring about salvation. See, God will use everything that, that we have if we submit it to him. Moses can only see, see, really it's a perception that he has about himself, but it's not the reality of his state. He's, he's literally lamenting before God. God sent somebody else. God, and he's, he has the answer in his hand. LCM, we have the answer in our hand. Now, when we say the phrase, get over yourself, we hear this phrase. Most of us think about the example like we see in Genesis 11, the guys who want to build a name for themselves. That's not what we're talking about. When we say to our body, our family, our friends here tonight, when we say get over yourself, what we're saying is stop selling yourself short and diminishing the work of God that he's doing inside of you. Amen. We're saying, we, when we say get over yourself, we're saying get over your insecurity, 
your thoughts about yourself, your emotions, your feelings about yourself, your perception or your perceived lack that you don't have something and obliterate all those excuses and limitations and take hold of what is actually in your hand and give that to the people. See, our great king, our Messiah, Yahweh Sabaoth, he's not interested, not even a little bit, in what we think we do not have. But he cares very, very much that you recognize what you do have and you give that away. Yeah. Isn't this what made the apostles so effective? This Absolutely. is what we've been talking about in, Act, in, Acts, in, in, in the study of Acts. This is what made these guys so effective. And we're getting ready to go to Acts chapter 3. But we need to grab this point because the biggest issue that we have, that we have, is not Satan. It's not the hordes of demons that are trying to stop this church. The biggest issue that we have is when we put limitations on ourselves and we are the roadblock. But if we can get that out of the way, man. Move it. If we can get over ourselves and take what we already have in our hands and put that into practice, man, salvation will break out all around us. And this is what the apostles did. Come on. Want to make sons, right? I mean, we want to make fathers, right? You want to make fathers. Well, the first thing we have to do is get over ourselves, move that out of the way, and grab a hold of what God has. Because when you think about it, the staff was not supernatural. The only thing that made the staff supernatural is that God said, I'm going to use it. Well, he said he's going to use you. Therefore, you are supernatural. Go with us to Acts 3, picking up in verse 3. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Oh, he would. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up. This was unexpected, right? They were walking to the temple. And we talked about this a little bit uh, in foundations. But we want to we wanna grapple with it some more because you know what? To be honest, we're not done with it. Peter and John had an expectation that God would use them. They saw Jesus do these very same things. And so when they were walking on the earth, they had been filled with the power of God. They saw a man who was in need. And they assumed that God was going to use them. That was their expectation. And that has to be our expectations. That's how we're going to make, son, make fathers out of sons. We're going to raise our expectations of what God will do through us. And he will. And the person that God does that for, like the recipient, he becomes a son. Who, is, who came into the kingdom by experiencing the miracle working of power through your hands. That is how we make, make fathers out of sons. See, when we get over ourselves and we realize that you actually do have something to give, the next generation of sons become the fathers. Check out this slide from Matthew 13, 52 in the LSB. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has become a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings out of his treasure things new and old. LCM, you guys are head of households. That's who we're talking to. We're talking to men like Paul Rosales. 
We're talking to men like Ibrahim Zakari. We're talking to men like Marlon Sosa, Timothy Carter in the back. You were men of uh, house, men who were fathers in the faith, men who were head of households, men with authority, men who were disciples, men who have treasures to give. You see what the slide says? It says anyone who has become a disciple and then it relates that to you having treasure that you have to give new and old. But you have to ask ourselves, why bring out treasure? Who's it for? It's for our sons. Yes. It's for those who are in front of us. It's not about us. Think about what, think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, what I have received from my fathers, I now give to you as of first importance. Now, as we get ready to transition, we're going to look at some practical ways of what it looks like of how to make fathers out of our sons and to give them what we have. Yes. So come with us into these practical examples. But we want to make the point clear. What we've talked about up until this point, if you don't get that, then you won't get the practical examples. It'll be another thing to do. Knowing that what you have and who you are and what God has done in your life has come directly from him. Knowing that you are tapped in to a supernatural source that does not lack. Knowing that you have no limitations other than the ones that you put on yourself when it comes to doing God's will. Knowing that, it enables you to be free. It frees you to not worry about the what if, what if that, what about. No, what has God said? If he said it, that must mean that he's going to help me accomplish it. Now, I'm going to have to hold on to him every part of the way, just like the man who who was stood up on his feet did. I'm going to have to hold on to him. But if he said that we would do this, if he said that we would do this, how could we doubt him? The answer is we can't. See, Moses learned that. Moses learned that when the Lord tells you to do something, you just do it. So he says, hey. Go tell Joshua to fight, fight these giants, and then you stand and raise your hand, and when you, when you raise your hand, they're going to succeed. You know what Moses did? Yes, Lord. And that's exactly what happened. And that's, that's exactly what will happen in our lives if we take this to heart. Get over yourself and your perceived lack because it's not reality. Do away with self-imposed limitations because it is not of God. He has spoken to us what is good. He has given us direction. And more than that, he's given up us his precious Holy Spirit to empower power us every step along the way. Amen. This is how we make fathers out of sons. First, we have to demonstrate a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond the surface. Demonstrate a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond surface level. Yeah. That goes into a place where they can see that you have intimacy with the Father. That, that, that required, that, that's free of charge. You don't have to pay money for that. We have to get down on our knees and get with our Father in front of our families and develop that relationship. The first step into de- developing this starts in Deuteronomy 6.4. No wonder it's the mezuzah of Israel, the Shema. Deuteronomy 6.4 in the ESV. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today, they shall be on your heart. 
not in your head, on the center of your emotions, on the center of your being are the words, the things God has spoken to you. That's why it's what comes out. But we're being honest. The first thing that's on our heart is what comes out. And the word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're not demonstrating an, a, a deep abiding relationship with the Lord to our sons, we have to go back here. And we can. Yeah. Say we can. We can. Do you want to make, make fathers out of sons? Yes. Well, we do it by demonstrating a deep abiding relationship with the Lord. Fathers establish a firm foundation for sons by an example of what have been placed in your heart. You establish, you establish a foundation because your sons, and I, I don't just mean your physical sons. We, 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 we got that on Sunday. The sons that you have around you, the new sons that you have as of Sunday because you went to go pray for them, and now they're under your charge. You develop a firm foundation when you stand upon a revelation that God has put on your heart and you do not move away from it. They see that, and it's like, no, this is how men of God walk. And it's, it's okay, this is how men of, men of God walk. That's how I'm going to walk. I'm a man of God. You've just established a firm foundation for sons. We have often heard that the best thing a father can give his son is a righteous life as an inheritance. And that is everything. The best thing that we can do is to simply develop a deep, genuine interaction with the Lord that our sons can be a part of that they can partake in. That is the best thing that we can give them. We have to take what has been deposited in us and give it to them. And you know how that's going to happen? Because the word's on your heart. Not in your head, it's on your heart. That thing that the Lord spoke to you to do on Sunday, it's, it's developing things inside of you. It's becoming an obsession because that word is on your heart and it is what will come out. That's how we do this. This is what drew us to LCM. What drew us to LCM was men who, who had a real relationship with God. And if you've come from outside of this place or from a place of religiosity, you know what it's like for people to say the right things and have the right things in their head, but it's not in their heart because it doesn't show up in their actions. It doesn't show up in private. But what we have, what we have and what we've been given to demonstrate and to model for our sons is a deep relationship, a real relationship with the Lord that gives them what God has put on our heart. Amen. That is how we establish our sons. Moving on. This is how we make fathers out of our sons. Number two, we have to demand that our sons rise to the call and mature. Say that again, please. We have to demand that our sons rise to the call and that they mature. Say mature. This comes out of Deuteronomy 6, 7. We're just moving further down in the verse in the ESV. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. See, as fathers, we have to teach our children. You know why? We are absolutely 100% ridiculously responsible for cultivating them. They're our responsibility. In fact, in the NLT, in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6... It says, repeat them again and again to your children. Man, talk about the endurance and the patience that is needed as a father. Man, how many physical fathers do we have in this room? Right? Have you had to repeat things to your children? 
over and over again? Yeah, I know, right? Over and over and over again. Talk about the patience and the endurance that is needed to cultivate them and turn them into fathers. This is Philippians 3, Pastor Nick, when Paul says, hey, man, it is no trouble for me to write these things to you again. In fact, it is, Wait, a, there's more. it is a safeguard for you. Man, when we were studying this, we were convicted to the core because the NLT says, I never get tired of telling you these things. Woo! That hits. That hurts. But I'm also inspired. You know why? You know why Paul has to write this in Philippians 3? You know why Moses tells him Deuteronomy 6, hey, impress this on your children, repeat it again? It's because that's what the Heavenly Father does for us. How many times has he repeated something? You are a son. You are a son. You are a son. You are a son. Am I the only one? No. You're called. You're the man of God. You're the head of your household. He does it again and again, and it is a safeguard for us. See, we have to demand that our sons rise to the call and that they mature. Man, I love what the pastor said on Sunday. We don't need to wait till our children or our spiritual children are 18 and 20 years old before we start to father them. In fact, take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we get to see what the Heavenly Father demands of his son. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10 in the ESV. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. God calls Samuel. When you study this out, you realize that scripture calls Samuel a boy at this point in his life. And yet the heavenly father did not consider Samuel too young to call him upward. He saw him. He drew the potential out of him. Man, this is the beginning stages of what it's like to make fathers out of our sons. There were other men of God there. But God saw Samuel and saw the potential and wasn't dissuaded by his physical stature. He called him up to the calling and said, you have to mature. This is what we get to do in this house. Yeah, we're going to sit on that for a little bit. Something so demonic about the system of this world that puts limitations on what kids can do, right? Puts limitations on what they're uh, able to accomplish. But some of that has gotten on us because I know for myself, when I see uh, a Titus or a Benaiah or I see a Ezra or I see a Samson, I see them rising to their father's expectations, and it blows my mind. Like, I'm watching Samson as a man of God Sunday going and praying for his brothers. Samson is a son who's becoming a father. Well, that's because their fathers didn't curse them with low expectations. If God saw fit to call Samuel when he's a boy, it must mean that Samuel could take it. It must mean that God's, God knows exactly how to walk this out and how to work this out in Samuel so that he would be the man of God that he's called to be. What about your sons? What about your daughters? We are no longer cursing them with low expectations. These kids are resilient. They can take it. And what's more, they can exceed our expectations. So in the same way that Moses had his limitations exploded, crushed, and he taught Joshua to do the same. In the same way, 
that you've had your limitations demolished. We, we dealt with that a few minutes ago, right? Your, your uh, self-imposed limitations have been demolished. Therefore, we don't put those on our children. We cause them to rise. We're patient with them. We even help them do it because it's not about us. Like our pastor said, we are not the target. Our convenience in parenting is not the target. Our convenience in discipleship and making it go faster is not the target. They are the target. So we're not going to curse them with low expectations. We're actually going to set a standard for our children to rise to, and we're going to watch them do it just like Joshua did it. This is how. Clearly, you can tell that we didn't plan this, that we're just working as the Lord is moving us. Minimum notes. We see God calling Samuel. Samuel's a boy. We have to look beyond the physical and see into the spiritual reality of what our children will become. Think about the man Simeon from Luke chapter 2. We don't need to go there. Go study in your own time. Look at Luke 2, verse 27 through 28. Jesus is being brought to him by his parents. Jesus is a baby. We're talking about Messiah, the Savior of the world. Simeon takes him in his arms and starts to prophesy over him. Are you letting that sit? The Savior of the world is now in your arms, who is also going to die for your sins, but Simeon is not insecure. He's not looking at his perceived lack, like, I'm not the man for the job. He gets himself out of the way, and he uses what God has given him, and he starts to prophesy the spiritual reality that becomes a physical reality of our Messiah. If he can do that, LCM, so can we. If he can do that, so can we. We don't need a fear. We don't have to shrink back at all. We have what he has given us, and what he has given us did not originate with man. It will pass through the fire. It will pass through the water. It will pass through earthquakes. It doesn't matter because it will survive because it is birthed from God. John three twenty seven. a man can only receive what has been given him from heaven, and LCM, you have been given things from heaven. Do yeah. not sell yourself short, and do not sell the work of God short in your life. We have to call our sons up. We have to demand that they rise up to the calling, and we have to call them up to mature. This is how we'll make fathers out of sons, and we're doing it. We are doing it, and we will do it. Third point, we discipline them to confront their fears and overcome. Turn to 1 Samuel 30 and pick up in verse 6 with us. David was greatly distressed, and he had a reason to be so. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. If that doesn't inoculate you from the praise of men right there, I don't know what will. They literally want to stone him, right? But David was a man who had been taught. David was a father who had been fathered. But this is a teaching moment for David, and we're going to see what comes out of him. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, gone, taken captive. And men are looking to put him to death in this very moment. You think it would be godly if David kind of just ignored, like, ah, it's not not that big. Guys, guys, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it'll it'll be okay, we'll get more. No. No. David didn't minimize the, the, the gravity of the situation. But a lot of the time, like I, like I did just, just now, I like to use comedy or levity to, to uh, 
cut the tension. But let's grapple with this. They're in a situation where everything that they have worked for has been taken from them, and they're blaming David for it. What did David do? Because what we see David do is what we've been taught to do and is what we teach our sons to do. Amen. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Come on, man. And of course, he brought it to him. In a situation where fears are rampant, irrationality is rampant, there are circumstances that do not look favoring, favorable. David says, hey, bring me the ephod. Bring me the mantle that God has given me to hear from him. This is how you handle any tense situation that comes. You say to the Lord, bring me the ephod. Remember, it starts with what we do, and we we show our children how to do this. We show the disciples in this house how to do this. We don't uh, bypass our fears. We don't turn away from them. No, we look at them. We face them. God will show me what to do. Give me my mantle. But where did David learn this from? Where did, where did he learn this from? Samuel. Samuel was his spiritual father. He also learned it from the Torah. And he also learned it from Moses. So we're going to go to Leviticus 26 verse 3. I love how God makes these things plain. Because, you know, if it's me, I'm like, ah, this is, this is a, a complicated situation. Like, this is, this is it's a lot of things going on. He doesn't even know where they are. David doesn't. But what does he do? He, he calls for his ephod so he can hear from the Lord. In verse, in verse 3, it says, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season. The land shall yield its increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. The Lord simply says, if you obey, I will give you all these things. And in verse 7, it literally says, you will chase your enemies. You will chase your enemies and none will make you afraid. But where does it start? By obeying the command. Again, I've seen fathers in this house, house uh, model this. I've seen their children be afraid of something. And they discipline them to say, no, you're going to fear me more than you fear that. Well, you know what they stop? They, what they, they stop being afraid about jumping over that ledge. They stop being afraid about the water because their fathers are loving them and are disciplining them to face their fears. Not turn from it, but then to find courage, find, find strength, just like David did. That is how we make fathers out of sons. We teach them, we discipline them to rise up, to face what they're afraid of, to look at it and say, nevertheless, bring me the ephod. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because I know that you are my source, that you have everything that's needed for this situation, and all I have to do is turn my face towards you. See, David learned how to deal in a situation by looking back at his fathers in the face. Moses didn't complicate it. He literally took from what was, he took what the heavens gave him, and he handed it to the people, and he demanded that they simply obey. If you obey, God will come through. See, he is looking for simple obedience from us, and we must expect simple obedience from them. That is how we make fathers out of sons. I'm a man standing on the stage who has been taught how to overcome fear and to win. Come on. Come on. And when I say that, I don't mean like 
you know, the pastors got on the chalkboard and like, hey, I've been bowling. This is how you overcome fear. No, I mean, they stepped into the trenches with me and they encouraged me. I remember whenever I had to, to ask for my wife's hand in marriage to her father. You know what Pastor Piero did for me? He drove straight to the single guy's house the day I was supposed to do it, and I did. Got out of his truck, laid hands on me, said, son, this is the moment that you've been living up for. You can do this. And he prophesied over me. And guess what? I'm married, and I got I have a kid and another one on the way. Yeah. This Real is quick, what it like, looks like to tonight. overcome fear. There are times where I've struggled with things at work, like work audits that Pastor Peter and I have talked about. Things that literally can cost me my job if I mess this up. And he's encouraging me, hey, step into that meeting. You may not know what to do, but trust the Lord. He will show you in the thick, in the trenches of it. And over and over and over, he's, we're repping these things, and I'm learning how to overcome fear and to win. To face it and to win. This says Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I will turn to you, mighty God. When I am afraid, I will look to your word. This is what we're being trained up in this house. And this is how we make fathers out of our sons. This is the pattern. We have been given it LCM. For our final point, how we make fathers out of, our, out of our sons is we have to develop an ear for hearing what our sons need and providing opportunities for them to act. Proverbs 27, 23, let's put this up on the screen. And NLT says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. Uh, say it again, please. Man, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. See, we're going to have to get out ahead and consider which situations we need to introduce into our sons' lives, physical sons and spiritual sons that will cause them to grow and to act upon those opportunities. Think about how Jesus did it for his disciples. You guys are familiar with the story in John chapter 6 and verse 5. It says he, lift up his, he lifted up his eyes and seen the large crowd coming to him. And Jesus turns to Philip and says, hey, where are we going to buy bread, Philip, so that these people may eat? He said this to test him in verse 6. It says, for he himself knew what he would do. I love what Jesus is doing here. And we can take a page out of his discipleship notebook. We make our sons into fathers by testing them and giving them the opportunity to step up into it. That's what has been done for us. When we showed up at LCM, we, were, we, we weren't even drinking milk. We were dehydrated. And we had spiritual fathers that gave us the substance of heaven, and they introduced situations into our lives and said, hey, step up into this. I can do this for you, but step up into this. We want you to grow, giving us opportunities to grow and to act. And as they did that, just like Jesus, right, he's asking Philip, hey, man, where are we going to feed the thousands of people? What do you think we should do, Philip? But the entire time he had in mind what he, want, he was going to do, in the same way how we raise our sons and turn them into fathers is when we introduce, the, introduce these things into their lives, we never leave them hanging. Yeah. We let them step up into it. We let them try. We even let them fall flat on their face, but we don't leave them hanging in it. This is the pattern that we can see for bringing our sons from glory to glory, like Hebrews chapter 2 says. And when we think about this LCM, when we, when we actually engage what the Lord is doing in our body, we have what we need. 
we have the pattern, we have the word, we have the way of life, we have the teaching, we have the, the practical application of how to take our sons, physical and spiritual sons, and make them into fathers that transform the nation, and they themselves do that for the nations that come after them. So for the purposes of tonight, you have everything you need. There's one thing you lack, and now you have to destroy all self-imposed limitations. When we look at Acts 3, and we look at what the Acts church looked like, all diacrino, all division between what that church looked like and what our church looks like, the Lord is saying, okay, now it's time to conquer that. In the same way that Moses conquered, in the same way that Joshua conquered, now it's time to go to war with those limitations so that there is no difference between us. So that we walk around with the expectancy that when we see a son who is starving, who is dehydrated, who is lacking and who is in need, we expect that God is going to do something supernatural through us. That is what he is calling us up to tonight. And that is what our expectations need to be. So rouse yourselves. Come on, rouse yourselves. As we begin to bring our time tonight to a close, because when we end tonight, when we finish tonight, we're going to go put these words into practice. Amen. The one who hears my words and puts them into practice, that's the one that he favors, right? So we're going to hear these words, and we're going to put them into practice. If you went and prayed for somebody on Sunday, and you're like, okay, now what does it look like to actually father them into maturity? Now we got a few steps, and you should add, you should add a few young. If you're looking at, man, how am I going to see my, my physical son grow up into what God has called him to do? Now we have a little more insight. Right? And this is not complicated. Leviticus 26 says that it's not complicated. Obey. So we're going to take these words of his and we're going to put them into practice. We're going to start today and we're going to watch him add to it. We're going to watch him empower us. We're going to watch him build on it. And a year from now, we will see fathers and sons who have become grandfathers and fathers who are raising sons. That is where we are headed. That is where God is taking his body. Can we get that slot? We want to sum this up for you. Making fathers out of sons. We're going to demonstrate a relationship with the Lord that goes beyond surface level. That's transparent. That's vulnerable. That is deep. We're going to demand that our sons rise to the call and mature because they can, because God said they would. We're going to discipline them to confront their fears and overcome again, because God said they could. We're going to develop an ear for hearing what our sons need and providing opportunities for them to act upon what we have laid out. After having gotten over ourselves, after turning to our almighty father, the one from whom all power flows, we overcome. Amen. Say we overcome. We overcome. The limitations that you have imposed on yourself as of this moment no longer exist. If the spirit of God is in you, you overcome. And after overcoming, what do we do? We demonstrate, we demand, we discipline, and we develop and teach our sons to do the very same things that our fathers have taught us. Amen. Turn with us to our last scripture. Stand up with us. Come on. 
Father, I'm praying right now, Lord God, that you would rouse, that you would raise our expectations, mighty God. Lord, that you would cause us, Lord God, to take this revelation, Father, and put it into practice. Lord God, that we would believe it and that we would, we would walk in this revelation. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We're not just raising disciples here, LCM. We're making fathers out of sons. Fathers built firm foundations for sons by obliterating low expectations, first in themselves, then in their sons. We're raising our expectations for what God can and will do through us and our sons. We're annihilating any excuse that delays us from the mission to raise sons. Church, I want to encourage you and admonish you. God brought you here to receive this revelation. He brought you here to put this revelation into practice. And he, the real reason he brought you here wasn't even those two things. He brought you here so that our sons could go and take that land. So we got work to do. And the Lord is going to empower us. We're going to get over ourselves and take what's been imposited to us and freely give it. We're going to live in a life of transparency and honest engagement with the scriptures and invite them into it. We're going to fix our gaze on the sons in this house. And we will watch them by our labor turn into fathers. That's what the Lord's calling us to. So as we close tonight, as we go home and we get on the road to our, on our 10, All limitations crushed by the power of God. Expectations risen by the standard of God. And by his supernatural power, it's going to flow through us and we're going to see lives changed. As you're standing on your feet, I just want to ask Natalie to put that slide back up on the screen. I'm so thankful for Abimbola and Justin. I'm looking at these men and they're like sons to me who are already fathers. Who are trying to raise up other sons to be fathers. Let me give you my interaction with this and then we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray in a kind of a way that calls the fire of heaven down upon us. I learned tonight from my brothers that the biggest problem are the own are the limitations that I put on myself. Can anybody actually just be honest and say, yep. Yeah. You can see in that Moses slide of, look, I don't, uh, uh, who am I? No, that's the wrong question. We learned that. We know that we can, we know who he is so that we can walk in what we are. What am I going to say when I get there? They're not going to listen to me anyway. You know what? Let's just get down to the heart of it and say you should do and pick somebody else. The reason that we like that part of Moses' story is because we most resemble it. We should raise our expectations and not, that not be our favorite part. Oh, see, even Moses has felt the same things I did. You know what? He didn't stay there. He got over himself. He roused his own spirit and never went back to that attitude once he realized what he already had in his hand. What about you tonight, church? Man, I love that. Oh, Moses. 
realized what he had in his hand and he moved forward and from Exodus 4 on, you didn't see that same problem in him again. What about you? What is in your hand, church? You got to raise your expectations tonight. Demand. Somebody say demand. Demand. That our sons rise to the call and mature. You know who that reminds me of, pastors? It reminds me of Jehu. You know, when Jehu made his call to Jehonadab, he wasn't a request. He said, you get up in here in this chariot right now, and I'll grab your hand to make sure that you can. Watch my zeal. Come with me. I'm demanding that you put your eyes on me. Do you know how you make fathers out of sons? You demand that they watch you as you rouse yourself, and in the process, it rouses them up. Jehu didn't need to go somewhere else to get somewhere else. What he was was exactly what Jehonadab did. By the way, you love that part of the story, don't you? I do. Do you know what he was calling him up into the chariot to do? Go continue in God's process of eliminating, killing the enemy until it's all the way done. He wasn't just asking him to ride to him with work, ride to his job place with him. He was saying, come watch me. I'm demanding. You're going to make fathers out of your sons? You demand that they rise up with you. Discipline them to confront their fears. Church, let's just say we got to rouse ourselves. If you can't or you won't, how are you expecting them to do it? The minimum standard here is that we have been elevated in our thinking. We've raised our own expectations so that God can fulfill his purposes in us. And they can see that and they get disciplined to overcome their own fears. Develop an ear for hearing what our sons need. This is not developing an ear only. It's also developing an eye for them. We're going to pray here in just a second. What Acts 3 taught us is what did Peter do? Peter and John looked at the man who had been crippled from birth. Fathers in this house, you're going to develop some vision for your own households. You're going to be able to look at people and not just say, I'm going to deal with it when they make a mistake, but I'm actually going to have vision and an ability to rouse my sons. We are not men who are reactive. We are men who are rousing those who are around us. And you know how Peter and John did it? They didn't worry about what they didn't have. They acknowledged what they didn't. I don't have silver or gold, but you know what I do have? I do have exactly what you need, Josiah. I got exactly what you need, Caleb. I got exactly what you need, Nolan. Stand up now. We have to raise our expectations that when we put our hands on someone, they will have supernatural healing. Well, I believe that Pastor Jude... I'm not talking about Pastor Jude. He's already got this. I'm trying to look at men like Andrew Hayes and saying, what are your expectations when you go somewhere? When you see somebody and go, I have what you need. Here's what you need. You need to be roused and jump up in what God is doing. We're going to raise our hands to the heavens. And as we're raising our hands, we're also going to raise our expectations here in this place. 
mighty God, that you would rouse our hearts, that we might rouse those around us. Lord, we want to rouse the sons. We want to rouse the fathers. We want to rouse the men and the women in this house. We're going to get over ourselves. We're going to get over the limitations that we put on ourselves. And we're going to stand up. We're going to rise up. And we're going to lift our expectations to you, God. That you will use our hands. That you will use our words. That you will use our everything about our lives, God, to move your kingdom forward. We will not wait. We will not delay. We will not be afraid. But we will rise up in you, mighty God. Use us.